share the making of my new album under my project name, Sans Mantra. Follow Sans Mantra Studio for insights into the world of songwriting, sessions, gigs, and more. Hey there listeners, happy new year and welcome to the first episode of Sans Mantra Studio for 2022. It's great to be here, thank you for tuning in and thank you to everyone that supported this podcast last year and my music, I really do appreciate it. This week I'm very excited to preview a new mix of my single, The Silent Crowd, by Nigel Derricks. First, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while and you haven't yet subscribed to my YouTube channel, please consider going over there and clicking subscribe. It really helps out. You can also follow me on Facebook or Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere basically. Just look for Sans Mantra, S-A-N-Z Mantra. So 2021, the less said the better probably. I think it's fair to say it really wasn't the year that anyone was expecting, much less hoping for. But having said that, it was a pretty cool year for me personally in a lot of ways. I released my first single under my new project name, Sans Mantra, and I started this podcast. And I guess while that doesn't seem like that much, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes with releasing new music that most people probably wouldn't realize there's a lot of stuff to set up on different streaming platforms Um, this is quite apart from getting your music mixed and then mastered so perhaps I might cover that in a future episode at some point but having all that done and having you know big lists of things that needed to be done and crossing them off was very satisfying for me and now I've got uh, a platform to release music and um, I can't wait to release some new music this year so there will be a few single drops before the album probably mid-year I'm thinking so if you've enjoyed the music so far make sure you keep tuning into this podcast because I'll be sharing my new music as I go along the making of it demos um, you know things like that my last couple of gigs for 2021 even though one of them was in 2022 but I'm going to count it as 2021 because it still felt like last year. They kind of sum up the feeling of the year, I think, or of the end of the year. I played out at Dramana for New Year's Eve and I was kind of feeling a bit melancholy going to the gig, to be honest, because because of the year we'd had, I guess, partly. And also, sometimes you just want to stay home. And this was one of those moments, I think. I just wanted to stay home with my family. But, you know... Always grateful to have a gig and be playing, truly. But I drove out feeling, like I say, a bit melancholy. 
And when I got there, I discovered that they'd actually forgotten to advertise that there was music on. So it was a very, very quiet night. You could call it an intimate gathering, perhaps. It was a very, very chilled evening and as you can hear I was playing a lot of very chilled music and in the break I thought, I thought it might be nice just to go down to the beach. I was that close to the beach and to be honest I haven't been to a beach for so long. I thought I should go down and have a look and remind myself what it's like. So I went for a bit of a walk and you can hear this music right now. This is actually from another club that I was walking towards as I was walking down towards the beach and this is the funny thing about playing covers sometimes this is me walking up closer to the club it was a private function and it's always funny to me sometimes I end up in these like little neighborhoods of cover bands so I remember one time I was playing in Frankston years ago and it was at quite a quite a big hotel actually and I'd forgotten my guitar strap for some reason you know <laughs> beats me how I forgot to put it in there but I did and someone in the band said why don't you go over the road there's a cover band playing over the road and so I did actually there was a, a guy there just playing solo and I just walked up to him in the break and I, I waited and I said you know till he finished playing a song I said <laughs> I'm from over the road I've forgotten my guitar strap do you think you could loan me one he goes yeah, yeah mate and he just reached behind him and he picked one out of his guitar case and he gave it to me he said just bring it back when you're done so I did, and that was all cool. But it is funny, sometimes these, these whole kind of worlds of, of cover music exist, and 
they're kind of like a, a, a parallel reality, like an inverse parallel reality of original music. Sort of like the upside down in, in Stranger Things, perhaps. Not that I'm saying cover bands or cover music itself is bad, it's just it exists in a, an entirely different sort of world to the original music world. Having had a, a foot in both, it's, they're very different. There's lots of similarities but they're different. All my favourite musicians started off playing covers. The Beatles did it for a year or two, I think, in Hamburg. They just did nothing but play covers every night. The Beatles heads listening to this podcast will know all about that, but for everyone else, the Beatles famously, I don't know if I can say it's famous or not, but they, they took speed to stay awake because they had to play for so long in Hamburg. They were on stage for literally hours, hours and hours on end. So they'd take speed to stay awake and be able to play for so long. But that's what made them as a band. So when they came back from Hamburg to England, they were a hot band. They could play. And that's part of what led to their success, I guess. You know, when, when Brian Epstein discovered them in the Cavern Club, they were a happening band. Same thing with genres like blues too, you know, you learn in jazz, of course, there's standards. In jazz you learn a lot of standards before you start composing your own music, if you ever do. Happy New Year. It actually wasn't the New Year yet, so these kids were jumping the gun a bit here. But Jimi Hendrix as well played the Chitlin circuit and honed his chops doing that, playing covers. He played in Little Richard's band for a little bit. Lots of other people, he was a side man. But he kept, he kept on getting kicked out of bands because he was just too flamboyant. He was irrepressible by all accounts. He dressed crazy and he acted crazy on stage. He just wasn't a good side man. Destined to be a front man, I guess. So this was my New Year's Eve trip to the beach. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate this episode so far?
Mark, Peggy's neighbour here. Just thought I'd let you know I'm heading back out to Yarrawonga today. Most welcome to join me. Um, I'm going to stay with my brother-in-law for a couple of nights. He's got a lovely little pine cabin on a self-powered site uh, with a sun deck. Just going to have a couple of beers and a good yarn. You're most welcome to join us, mate. Give us a call. And I guess also, if you're like me and you're not the world's greatest cook, there's also a section called What Went Wrong. How practical is this? If the if the marmalade's not quite right, if the fruit floats at the top or it's cloudy or something like that, there's all these practical solutions for how to actually troubleshoot your cooking. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's how you do it next time. You can't fix all everything, but... Um, yeah, absolutely. You definitely and... can't, can't fix a, a sunken cake, but I don't know what you can do with a sunken cake. <laughs> yes. Cut well... it up and have some custard on it. <laughs> yeah, you put it in the, trifle, in the trifle or something like that. So you might have gathered I also went to Yarrawonga, which was a bit of an adventure. I went up for two nights to play at quite a big resort up there, a, a golf club, and I stayed for two nights and... I haven't really done that before, so it it was interesting. Unfortunately, like my New Year's Eve, it was also very quiet in the actual venue. I think COVID has just scared people into wanting to stay home. So what would have been their busiest time of the year was actually not really that busy at all. But it was, like I say, a bit of an adventure, and I did get to hear some local radio, and Peggy's neighbour also gave me that great invite. So, you know, all things considered can't complain. All right, I'm very excited to debut a new segment. This is called Highly Recommended, and this is where I share what I've been listening to, what I've been watching, what I've been reading, perhaps, although I am going to try and keep the focus on music because, after all, that's what this podcast is meant to be about. Anyway... Enjoy this first of what will hopefully be many segments of Highly Recommended. Okay, so this is kind of a roundup of what I've been listening to over the past few weeks, and I'm staring at my Spotify playlist. This is a playlist I've made called Highly Recommended, which I'm going to share on my Sans Mantra artist page, as opposed to the Sans Mantra Studio podcast page. So just look for Sans Mantra, and you'll see this as a playlist that I've got available. What I might do, I know not everyone's on Spotify, so I think I'll type out the titles and include them in the description for this podcast episode. So you can check them out if you want to. I'm sure you'll be able to find them on YouTube or, I don't know, whatever streaming service you're using. But this is on Spotify. So if, you, if you're if you on Spotify and you want to go and check it out, this will be on my Sans Mantra artist page. Highly recommended 16th of January 2022. Now, the first track is a song called Tessellation by a band called Mild High Club, which 
reminds me a little bit of myself in that he's named it a group, but it's basically a solo effort. And, and when I say solo effort, he's got other musicians. He's not playing everything by himself, just the way I'm not. I've got other musicians on my stuff. Um, but Mild High Club, they describe it as a mix between Steely Dan and the Beatles. And to be honest, I don't hear really either of those bands in this music. Maybe a touch of the Beatles. The psychedelic sort of element, perhaps. Maybe fans of Steely Dan might hear the Dan in this music. But I think it's fantastic. I'm not going to play these tracks in this podcast for copyright reasons. Um, If I was doing a YouTube video of this, which this is a video by the way, uh, this is available as a video on my YouTube channel, but if it was first and foremost a video, then I think I'd be able to play them, but I don't, I don't really understand. Maybe someone could send me a message and explain why people can use song snippets in YouTube videos and not in podcasts. I don't understand. Maybe I can. I don't want to risk it, but I also want to keep this podcast to just my original music for now, even though I'm talking about these other tracks. But I guess it's all relevant. These are things that, you know, may or may not be inspiring me. But I'm listening to a track called Tessellation. I love this track. I love the feel of these songs, this this album, Mild High Club. It's from an album called Skip Tracing. The, the term skip tracing means when people skip town after they, you know, owe money to people. So it's a bit like Debt Collection, I think. It's an album called Skip Tracing that I discovered a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago now. Time tends to blur a bit in pandemics, don't you reckon? And this first track I've got on this playlist is from Skip Tracing. It's called Tessellation, and I don't know what that means either. But I can tell you how I feel about the music. I love the way the drums sound. They're really tight. They're really There's a really great groove to a lot of the songs. But then he's put these kind of modulated effects of you know guitars and keyboards so nothing nothing is static everything is kind of changing and that applies to the chord changes in these songs as well so he'll have a lot of chord changes um you know sometimes even one every two beats which is unusual you know songs tend to sit on chords for one or two or three or four bars you know but his move they they move they keep moving and his voice isn't great but I kind of look past that because I love the sound of the music and I think the way he's put his voice into the music is kind of like um, he's treated it like an instrument. So he's not trying to present himself as a great singer, which is a wise choice, I think. Um, But Mild High Club, Skip Tracing, the album, check it out. It's a really great album. If you like sort of left of centre pop, if you've got an open mind, and give it a few listens, it rewards repeated listening it definitely grows on you okay so the second track i hesitated about this before i started this episode today um should i leave it on the playlist or not i've left it on for now because it does typify a type of genre which i can never quite put my finger on but i think it's kind of neo soul slash i don't know jazz funk or something There's lots of spacey, jazzy chords. It's not jazz. Anyway, I should tell you what it's called. It's a track called Slow Dance by Mind Design, which I love. I love the title of that, the name. He's left out all the vowels, which I'm not so sure about. I think that might be 
something that might date it, like the weekend, you know, maybe in years to come they'll look back and the weekend might wish that he had three E's in his name instead of just two. But yeah, this is Mind Design spelled M-N-D-S-G-N and it's a track called Slow Dance. And I kind of like this track also for the fact that about three quarters of the way through he just stops it and he goes into something completely different totally different sort of key center and different feel it's basically a different song and then i think he comes back to the original song again this song was kind of influential on the new intro i've put on this um on this podcast too in terms of the instrumentation things like that so i don't think i'm so much influenced in this instance by this guy i'm assuming it's a guy i did see him on rage so i'm pretty sure it's a guy sounds like a guy singing but more the genre i think so it's very kind of mid-70s you know with flutes and um you know high strings very mellow sounds anyway see what you think let me know what you think about all these songs too if you get a chance if you can be bothered Send me a message, leave me a comment on, on the YouTube channel or any of the streaming services. So the third track, an absolute classic. This is a Jimi Hendrix track off his um, epic album, Electric Ladyland. It's called 1983 brackets, A Merman I Should Turn To Be. And in my opinion, this is the single most original track that he ever recorded. And the reason I say that is because I don't think anything really exists like it in rock or pop history. It's just an incredible track and it's very long. It's a very weird subject. I think he might have been tripping a bit when he wrote it, but it's about going to the bottom of the ocean, I think, from memory. And no, (laughs) I don't really know what it's about. I think it's him turning into a merman in the future and Atlantis coming back and, you know, all this sort of stuff. But it's set underwater and it sounds like it. And the the chord sequence is this beautiful descending chord sequence, which, you know, feels like you're descending into the ocean, going down to the bottom of the ocean. So that's, that's well worth checking out. 1983, A Merman I Should Turn to Be. Now, the fourth track is Diamonds and Pearls by the Marcin Wasilewski Trio. And that's just a very straightforward jazz trio version of the Prince song, Diamonds and Pearls. Fantastic, fantastic version. Really brings out the melody of the song. And I was actually chatting to my wife about this the other day. And this version, I think, is great because Prince's version, it's got all the fireworks, you know, it's got all the bombast and, and everything because he was a showman. So it's it's got all those elements. But this version you know, just is beautiful and it highlights what, what, what a beautiful melody there is or, or several beautiful melodies in that song. So that's Diamonds and Pearls. Then there's Rock Dust Light Star from Jamiroquai from, uh, I was going to say one of their more recent albums, but I think even that's probably 10, maybe 12 years old. Um, and that's a great track. That is interesting because I read that uh, JK, the singer, the lead singer, um, or band leader, it's kind of his band, I guess, wanted to go back to real instruments, organic instruments and sounds, because they'd gone in a direction before that where they were still playing 
live in the studio. I'm sure they were doing, you know, Pro Tools edits of things, but um, they were playing the, the, the drums and the bass player, you know, the drummer and the bass player were, were playing together. But then what they were doing was replacing the drum sounds with synthetic drum sounds, samples, to make them compete, basically, with dance tracks because, you know, dance tracks are using samples and it's very hard to get really hard-hitting sounds like you're doing dance music out of a real drum kit. So that's what they were doing. And this album that Rock Dust Light Star is from, I think it might even be called Rock Dust Light Star, the album itself. Anyway, this this album is their return to um, real-sounding instruments, which is kind of interesting, but I really like the track. Then after that, there's a track called Massive, which is by Corey Wong and Joe Satriani. If you haven't heard Corey Wong, he's well worth checking out. He's um, a brilliant rhythm funk slash jazz guitarist, and he plays with Wolfpeck, if you've heard of them. This is a solo song featuring Joe Satriani, obviously. It's great. Just a great heavy funk track with some, you know, crazy rock guitar playing on it. Joe Satriani is a great player, but sometimes I just wish he would play with a a sound that was a bit less processed, perhaps. And what I mean by that is he uses a lot of effects to really control his sound. He's obviously a heavy-duty perfectionist. He doesn't doesn't tolerate mistakes. But it'd be nice to hear him make a few now and then because um, I think the mistakes... It's not the mistakes that we want to hear. It's the adrenaline rush leading up to the mistake. It's the going right up to the edge of the cliff and, and, you know throwing away your you know your um your safety net and it's it's the excitement that comes from that and i think you get that with a guitar like a strat or something maybe just you know with fewer effects just a more raw simple sound i'm thinking like angus young that type of thing imagine joe satriani playing through angus young's rig now yeah that's worth contemplating. The next track is a track by The Eels, and that's called Baby Let's Make It Real. I have gotten into The Eels over the years. When I was a lot younger, they had their first song, Novocaine for the Soul, which was, I think, their first big hit. Maybe one of their main hits. I don't think they've had that had that many. But I wasn't really a fan back then. I, I thought it was a bit gimmicky. But I've since grown to really like this guy's songwriting um, it's there's nothing really hugely innovative about it but it's got a certain charm to it i don't know it's it's just easy i was gonna say it's easy listening it's not easy listening in terms of the genre but it's easy for me to listen to and he's got a really kind of nasally raspy voice but i kind of dig it and i think he's quite raw in what he sings about too so you know, I think he's um, he's been through a, a, a bit of crap in his life and he writes about it. Anyway, that's The Eels. That's off um, their second last album. The next track is really interesting. Now, this is a guy called Gary Wilson who I only found out about a couple of weeks ago when I was watching a YouTube video about outsider musicians. And what that term means is just kind of weirdo musicians that are never going to be mainstream so think tiny tim as an example now this track is called 6.4 equals make out i don't really know what 6.4 is or what the relevance of that is but it's 
basically a... How long does it go for? I better pause that. It goes for about five minutes. And it's just a track about him really wanting to get with this girl. Um, it's from the 70s. And he doesn't have a great voice again. But I looked up the credits on Wikipedia. Now, I'm not 100% convinced of how accurate Wikipedia is in any instance. But according to Wikipedia, on this particular track, he plays at least the drums and the bass and the keyboards and something like that. So I'm thinking even if he only played the drums on this track, he's a very good musician because the drums sound great. Anyway, this is this is actually not a bad track. I quite like it. And he had a resurgence, this guy. So he's, a, he's I guess to explain properly, he's probably one of the, the original indie artists in that he recorded his stuff himself. He funded it himself. And then I, I guess he sort of had a bit of a lull. And then in the 90s, Beck started covering this song, 6.4 equals make out. And he had a lot of interest then too, and he, he suddenly had a record company wanting his blessing for a reissue of, of one of his albums. If you can stand it, there's a lot of really interesting music out there, and I can't remember the name of this video, the YouTube video that I watched, but it was about outsider music. So it's worth checking out. If you're into sort of weird and wonderful things, you know, perhaps the sort of thing that William Shatner might present for an example then there's a lot of stuff out there to check out sometimes it's even more interesting just reading about it and what happened in their lives than listening to it but uh that's that's an interesting track it's it's quite good too i actually don't mind listening to that the next one is a classic track it's in my opinion it's uh by stanley clark who was a uh, jazz funk fusion musician of the 70s i think he's still going now and this is a song called Journey to Love off the album of the same name. And it's just a brilliant track. It's uh, really kind of spacey. I think it's about 75, 1975 it came out. And it has one of the all-time great guitar solos, in my opinion, by Jeff Beck. So check that out. Next one is kind of a flamenco jazz slash sort of classical nylon string piece by Raphael Rabello called Louisa. I don't know much about this, but I was going down a bit of a gypsy swing guitar rabbit hole one day, and this came up as a recommendation, and I really like it. So check that out as well. Then I've just whacked on the uh, the silent crowd, of course, because, hey, why not? So that's the playlist for this week. Highly recommended 14th of Jan 2022. So like I said, if you check out uh, my Spotify page, you should be able to find it there, but I'll include that in the description as well so you can track down these songs yourself if you want to. Let me know what you think of this segment, if you're interested in it at all, if it uh, did anything for you, if it was interesting at all. Give me some feedback on this and perhaps I'll do it every week if enough listeners enjoyed it. All right, you've been very patient. Those of you who heard me announce that I had a remix at the start of this episode, you're going to hear it now. This is a remix of my song, The Silent Crowd, by Nigel Derricks, who I've known for a long time now. Nigel's an excellent audio engineer slash producer mixer, and I approached him not long after The Silent Crowd was released last year. 
and asked him if he'd be interested in doing a remix. I told him, just do whatever you like with the song, take it in any direction, reinvent it, do whatever the hell you want with it, basically. And he, I think he quite enjoyed the, um, the liberty with that, the freedom. Uh, he did say to me that he's quite into Sia at the moment, so if you can hear that in there, that's why. My take on this mix is it's kind of a retro feel. It reminds me of the turn of the century, sort of late 90s, early 2000s. But more than that, it actually sounds like it belongs in a film to me with this mix. It just suddenly sounds really, really big to the point where I think if I, if I feel like I want to actually release it and do something with it, you know, put it up online as a, a remix, then... I feel like maybe I should actually do a new vocal to kind of match the um, the added epic nature of what Nigel's done with the song. So I really like it, you might have guessed, and I hope you enjoy it too. So this is The Silent Crowd, remixed by Nigel Derricks. Enjoy. <laughs> you down when you found they weren't around shed a tear without a sound did somebody let you down were you looking for a clue So that's it for this week. I've kind of run out of time, but I did want to talk some more about remixes in general. I think I might do that in the next episode. But thank you so much for listening. And as always, a huge thank you to the following people in alphabetical order. 
Thank you, Anthony Ray, Beck Godfrey, Campbell McNaughton, Jill Harvey, Gordon Thompson, Jody McNaughton, Justin Slay, Logan Sinclair, Lyndon Wesley, Neva Connell, Nicola Platt, Paul Appleman, Paul Richards, Pete Sim, Salman Khan, Sharon Swan, Sylvia Bucks, Warren McCall-Jones, Barbara Renz, Paul Hughes, Natalie Guglielmi, Graham Hughes, Gloria Kennedy, and especially to my ever-loving family, Helen Hughes and Bailey Hughes. Thank you so much. This episode was a bit late this week, but next week there'll be one dropping on Friday, so keep an ear out for that. Have a great week, and as always, don't forget to... Like, share, subscribe. Why don't you just... Like, share.